Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is John Van Berger. Hello. How's it going, John? It's going great. Fantastic. Derek is up in Wabakimi on a canoe trip. And if you leave, then you get replaced. (laughs) (laughs) And this is for good, right? Yeah, and you get the same pay. Actually, I think I was going to double your pay. All right. Yeah, so it's two times nothing. Yeah, I was going to say, this Just this time you bring the beers and I don't have to, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll bring the beers here for recording. So every every time you're here, I'll supply the beers. There you go. That yeah. works. It's been, what, three years now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to get up here, buddy. I guess. Yeah, it's been too long. I still have those puppers. Do you? I do. All right. Yeah, I need to get up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're sitting here. Every time I open that little mini beer fridge, drink me. <laughs> no, I can't, man. For, you guys are for John. John's <laughs> dead. Drink me. John's dead. Well, they're kind of close there for a bit. <laughs> well, they're uh, kind of close. <laughs> yeah, you, you've been uh, a bit sick lately. Yeah, I, uh, I got COVID uh, twice. I'm one of the lucky ones that... When you take the medication that you get that rebound case and, and I got the rebound case as well. So, uh, once wasn't enough, man. I enjoyed the experience so damn much. Well, we've always said, go big or go home. That's right. (laughs) So you went big, then you went home. I went big. You know, this, I, I was realizing, uh, just before we, we started this, this is the first time in over a month that I've actually been sitting at my desk. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Is your sandwich um, still there? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been replaced desk. by a green furry one. <laughs> That's right. My desk is my desk is like moss now. I feel like I'm out in the woods. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it, when you, that takes it out of you, man. You got to uh, ease your way back in as best you can. Yeah, yeah, and it you know it. I mean, it sucks a and you know everything sort of connected with it and. Um, but uh, I just had to cancel a trip in September um, just because the fatigue factor with it has been, you know, so high. So so I, I'm thinking then that, you know, maybe late in the year that means I need to come over to uh, to your place. Um, I think in November they're doing the Winter Camping Symposium. That'd be fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. That'd be good time. Yeah. It's a possibility. Yeah, there's one. Well, there's the October Winter Camping Symposium uh, in Minnesota too, and uh, you know they they asked me if I wanted to come up for that and speak, and I'm like, I was thinking initially, well, I you know have to watch out for COVID, but hey, I I think I'm I think I've got what is it, two or three months where you're sort of good after you have it, is what the oh, so but you're I'm good till sure. 2023, <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah, so you know let's. Uh, I'm 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 hoping that's okay. Who knows? I don't know, but I I really would like to go up there and you know even if I don't present or anything, just to to be up there. Really good people and you know I mean I I covered that event for you guys. What mm-hmm. was it? Maybe three years ago, I think. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a great event. So it'd be nice just to get up there and come over to uh, the Winter Camping Symposium and uh, in uh, Ontario would be awesome. Yeah, it's all about getting out, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I've not even, um, 
I've not been on a canoe or kayak um, on any local lakes this year yet. That's that's the year it's been. Yeah, and see, all our stuff is ending up at the end of the summer here, into the mm-hmm. into the fall. Right. Yeah. So Derek's up in Wabakimi. Yeah. You're going to Tamagami. Tamagami. Yeah. Tamagami. Yeah. In a couple of weeks, we're heading up there for nine days. Then I'm heading, actually heading down south to. Uh, um, like West Virginia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Georgia, do some paddling down that way in October. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've been doing a bunch of l- uh, paddling around here lately too. But we just so, been so busy. The gas prices started dropping, and you were like, "That's it! I'm going to drive as far as I can get in my two weeks vacation." Well, and you guys are south, so that means it's all downhill. <laughs> so all I got to do is pick up speed and then coast. I can just turn the car off. There you go. Right? That's how it works, right? Yeah. yeah. Gravity sucks everything to the bottom of the planet. <laughs> right? 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 That, that could be it. <laughs> Actually, the only thing we did earlier in this season was the um, five Great Lakes in a day. Oh, okay. Wow. That was Yeah. That was uh, the first biggie this season. And then it was sort of just died from there. And now it's all of a sudden everything's picking up again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm looking to get out a bit. I've you know I haven't been out even uh, really even camping or anything you know. So, um, I, I I my Durston showed up. We were talking about that uh, yep. last time I was on, and and so I've got that to take and try out, and so that I might even just take in the backyard because you know, um, I just want to try it out. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to try this out now. <laughs> Yeah, I'd pitch it in the living room even, but, you know, this is a tent pole one. You have to stake it down, and Jan said something about me not being able to put nails in the floor, so, you know. You asked? (laughs) You foolish, foolish, foolish man. She's taking care of me while I've been sick. I I thought I should ask. (laughs) Uh, Not like the year I got the uh, fire uh, starter for for Christmas, my steel and flint. So, oh, mm-hmm. unwrap this. I'll get a little bit of the wrapping paper. Hey, it works! Oh, Jesus. We don't have a fireplace in our house. <laughs> <laughs> we do now! Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Those are the dumb things we do. Uh, so, yeah. Derek's up in uh, Wabakimi. I've been following them on uh, Spot. They seem to be chugging along pretty good. And uh, mm-hmm. I think they've had some pretty decent weather for the trip, too. You know, Good. they haven't uh, they haven't lost a canoe or gone over any falls or anything. Not as far as I know. Okay, but like I say, our discussion was: if somebody dies, we don't haul out the carcass. So <laughs> you know, they could be a man down, and we just don't know yet. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's that. Them's the rules, man. Them's the rules. It could be just the canoe with the spot device just on it, just cartwheeling down the river. That could be, or somebody's towing it. Oh, that could be too. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh, many different scenarios. I've been I've been watching a lot of murder mysteries while I've been couch bound. Yeah. So yeah, my mind immediately goes to someone's killed them and has stolen the canoe and you're seeing actually the murderer's trail. See, and that's one of the things about I watch all these oh yes, my husband doesn't want to go. He's finally coming on a canoe trip with me. Dude, don't go. This is how horror movies start. <laughs> Stay home. <laughs> Yeah. She's going to kill you and leave the body. <laughs> they don't understand. 
That's right. Because that's what they you, they sit at home and they watch they watch these murder mysteries and CSI and ooh wait a minute so if I <laughs> take them up into the up in the back country and cover them in moss they might mm-hmm. find him in six seven hundred years <laughs> I'd be free and clear at that point. <laughs> that's right. Singing songs about Earl next, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a good show. Yeah. Well, you know the thing is. Uh, you know, if you're up in a trapper's cabin someplace, and, and with any horror movie, right, and you hear something outside, of course, you have to leave and go out and look for it. Asked in the rules. Right. Yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and he had a hook hand. That's right. I hear something outside. I'm in a fetal position in the corner of the cabin. I am not yeah. going. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hammering on my chest yelling, beat me up, Mr. Scott. <laughs> whoever is outside we just I cursed. taste terrible <laughs> trust me we have just cursed Derek <laughs> uh, no they, they, it looks like they've been uh, chugging along pretty good there and uh, they seem cool. to be on um, on uh, schedule so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll find out on Friday I guess alright uh, yeah but uh, in the meantime I'm planning my trip to Tomogamy in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're also getting our bathroom reno done. While you're gone? No, well, I was, I was hoping, but no, no, he's asked if we can do it before we go, so ah. we're getting that done. But uh, in the meantime, I am planning my, uh, well, not my, our Tomogamy trip. Doing it a bit mm-hmm. different. Uh, the portages up in Tomogamy are pretty rocky for the most part. Mm-hmm. And if you have short legs, it does make it a bit uh, more challenging. Yep. Where those of us with longer legs just use everything like staircases and <laughs> right over everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not one for leaving people, inexperienced people on portages yep. alone, you know? Mm-hmm. So we like to stick together sort of thing, but there comes a point where we're just moving too slow. Um, so if we're, we're going to, there's there's a big lake that we're going to camp on, but we're going to move around to different spots because there's all these small lakes that go off of it mm-hmm. in different different spots. It's, a, it's quite a big lake. Mm-hmm. So I figure if we just travel down there and camp there for a couple of days, we can portage into this lake and do some fishing and some exploring, you know, do day trips and, and stuff like that without having to portage all the gear. Yeah. And that just makes things much faster and... You're not worried about, oh, what are we going to do with all this gear? And now it's raining and, you know, we got to hike it all up this waterfall and stuff. And it's easier to just do with our fishing gear and camera gear and, uh, you know, paddles mm-hmm. and, and a canoe. So, yeah, so we, we've got that. I, I, I've mapped out a route here. And we're going to do a whole bunch of exploring and a lot of fishing. And, uh, you know, that we always bring the fishing gear, but we tend not to do as much fishing as we'd like, whereas we used to. Mm-hmm. So... There's going to be hammock time and fishing time, and there's going to be some relaxed time and some fishing time. Then we're going to be some exploring time and some fishing time, and <laughs> there might be some fishing time in there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. How, lo- how long are you going up for? Nine days. Oh, nice. Uh, the, the, the eighth day, however, mm-hmm. uh, Alex Matthias is up there, and he holds the changing of the seasons ceremony every year. Uh, I think I September. remember you talking about this. Yeah. Trace and I went up for the first time last year. We were, we were going to go the year before. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we got the invite to go up uh, last year. And, you know, it, it, was, it was really good. Um, cool. This year we said, yeah, you know what, we're, we're going to go back and there'll be more people this year because, you know, a lot of people did still stay away because COVID was just, you know, people were just starting to get back into stuff. And yep. this year I think there'll be more people and uh, I, I think it'll be a lot more fun this year. But, yeah, you know, it's a really cool event to to go to and meet with a bunch of people that are like-minded and, you know, care mm-hmm. about the outdoors and love paddling and, and that sort of deal. So, uh, yeah, and then the ninth day we uh, pack up and do the long drive out. All right. But well, that sounds really nice. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, come home and finish uh, planning and making all the little details for my uh, October trip, which is cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things, uh, and I put this out to all our listeners to drop a little uh, message on our Facebook page or email us or whatever, mm-hmm. sleeping pads. What sleeping pads are you guys using? I have, I never used one until about 12 years ago. You know, my first, what, 42 years, I slept right on the bottom of the tent. Nothing <laughs> underneath me, just dirt, ground, roots, rocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I was told, well, what do you mean you don't use a thermorest? And I'm like, what's a thermorest? <laughs> <laughs> and I got the stairs like, dude doesn't know what a thermorest is. <laughs> I know what a thermorest is now, and I don't think I would go back to not having one. Yeah. But the ones I have are the lightweight, thin, like they're an inch thick sort of deal. Uh, I'm getting older, my hips are getting sore, and I'm a side sleeper, so that one inch just isn't as much padding anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for one that's maybe two to three inches thick, uh, but you know, still packs up about the size of a nail. I don't want something that's going to pack up the size of a, a barrel, you know? Yeah, right. But I'm right. looking for one that's good for side sleepers. So I'm just curious of what everybody else is using out there. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. you have a Sea to Summit, do you not? Yeah, I do. I've got uh, the Etherlite XT. I got the insulated model, which is, you know, gets you into the shoulder seasons with no problem. It, and it's honestly, it's not so insulated that you can't use it on, you know, in the summer as well. I've, right. I've never really had an issue with it. And then I've got heavier pads for winter um, or I'll, I'll double up some pads and stuff. But yeah, I really like it. It's, it's uh, nice. It's you know, inflatable, it's probably, what, three inches thick or so. And I'm a side sleeper as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I really like it. It is, um, it's not as noisy as some of the, you know, the, the ultralight oh, plastic Oh, the crinkly pads. ones. Right. Yeah. Um, it's there. It's not as noisy, which, which is nice for, you know, you and anyone else you're camping with. Um, but, yeah, I, I love it. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, I used... Geez, I had uh, Thermarest. Well, a couple of Thermarests are over thirty years old now. Yeah, and you know the inflatable, but with the uh, closed cell foam inside, and uh, I, I love those. You know, um, but the the ability to for the the ultralight pad, you know, to have that and be able to throw it in a backpack, for example, um, you know, it's it's really nice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I also, I mean, when we're going as, as two people, you know, you, you don't want two big, you got two sleeping bags, two pads. I mean, there's yeah. half your pack sort right. of thing, right? So you, you end up spending the extra money, get things that go down teeny tiny and uh, packing the pack better. Yep. Yep. 
and uh, and you know they inflate so quickly when you're using the you know the stuff sack inflator and yeah uh, yeah I really love it really love it so um, yeah the big thing when I was oh self inflating okay I raise my hand and yell bull hooey uh, <laughs> you know what they they if I put it out on the on the in the tent and I leave it for a while yeah you know what a little bit of air gets sucked into it. But I still mm-hmm. have to blow them up. Oh, yeah. Even like yeah. brand spanking knew I had to do that. Oh, yeah. This will just inflate for you. you whatever, you sham artist. <laughs> <laughs> Selling me something like that. I'll buy yeah. it every time. Yep. Um, yeah. So if, if you have a suggestion for a sleeping pad for canoe tripping and that, uh, drop us a line and let us know. Um. We're uh, definitely, like I say, we, I need to get a couple of them. So, <laughs> uh, Hudson River. What do you know about the Hudson River besides it was like polluted? <laughs> uh, it's and in New was, York State, and there was a plane that landed in it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Was that um, the Erie Canal empties into it? Mm-hmm. So I got a, I got uh, paddled a little bit into it, not far. Um, that's, uh, That's about, about it. <laughs> it, except, except, um, there's some critters in there now that haven't been in there really for a while. There is. And this is what I, I had to, I came across this and I had to go check out a map. And even still after looking at the map where the Hudson River is, this mm-hmm. does not seem like a place where these fellas would end up. Mm-hmm. So apparently they're, um... A couple of people were kayaking off of Pier 84. I guess there's a couple of kayak rental places in that right there on the Hudson River. Mm-hmm. And they spotted three dolphins swimming by. Uh, we, we do regularly see big fish jumping in and out of the water, one of the paddlers said. So when my friend said, I think I just saw a dolphin, I said, I'm pretty sure it was just one of those large fish that are around the Hudson. But then we saw them jumping, and I was like, nope, those are dolphins. <laughs> that would be so awesome. Wouldn't it, though? Yeah. Like I say, when you look at the map, you're thinking, no, they don't belong there. You know, yeah. It's it's yeah. it's not really somewhere you would think they they take a wrong turn, or, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mammals seemed unfazed by the kayakers. They stayed nearby for about an hour, jumping in and out of the water until a couple of motorboats came by and scared them off. Mm-hmm. Other members of the Manhattan Kayak Company had spotted a few dolphins on the west side earlier in the summer. There would have been some talk about in June. Uh, there was some people had seen dolphins. Yeah. One member said he saw his first dolphin on the Hudson last month, and he's been paddling on the river for 10 years. Cool. Dolphin sightings are not a common occurrence. Many believe the animals have made their way west as they seek out a food source. Apparently there's a, what are they, Menhaden fish? Never heard of them. Never, yeah. Uh, there's a, there's abundance of them in the Hudson, and that would supply the need for food. That's pretty That's, cool. It is. I'm just looking up to see what a Menhaden is. Huh. They are... A fish? Uh, they're, they're a fish, yeah. There's, <laughs> wow. I, you know, there would have to be a lot of them in there if, uh, from the picture tiny? here. They sure look tiny. Like sardine uh, sort of thing or herring? 
they well no actually they're not that small i guess they rarely exceed 15 inches so oh, i'd be good good meal for a couple of dolphins yeah yeah if, um, if there's a bunch of them in there yeah that would work huh Paddlers were pleasantly surprised to see the dolphins thriving in the river, which has historically been polluted with as much as 1.3 million pounds of polychlorinated biphenyls deposited by the General Electric Company over a 30-year period. The Hudson's sometimes quite dirty, but if dolphins are there, the water's got to be at least a little cleaner than it used to be. Hopefully they help tourism and encourage more people to get out on the river, the paddlers say. The Hudson has proved hospitable for a variety of wildlife over the past several years. This is what got me. With both seal and a humpback whale sighting near Pier 84, and even more rare, 2015, a fisherman managed to catch a dogfish shark near Battery Park. Wow. Like I said, it just doesn't look like somewhere they would go. Right. It's sort of out of the way. Yeah. You know, like if, if you're paddling down a lake and you see a creek, hey, wonder what's up that creek. Mm-hmm. Let's go check it out. Apparently, yeah. uh, to me, that's what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just right. take it. Oh, yeah. there goes Phil and his wandering again. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty cool. Hopefully, uh, it's a sign of things to come that the river is definitely cleaning it up a bit and mm-hmm. these animals can actually come in and uh, survive there. Well, you know, maybe they came up from that, you know, the the underwater kingdom and that you see at the end of the movie Splash. Oh, could very well be. Huh? Huh? Right? Next we'll be seeing mermaids. That's right. <laughs> ah, keep your peepers open, people. <laughs> Here's one which would be really pretty cool. So okay. there's a, a, a guy named Steve Snell lives in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And he's familiar with the Missouri River. Mm-hmm. And right now he's in the middle of a long journey, paddling the entire river from beginning to end, and he's painting along the way. Missouri River being the longest river in the United States. Uh, he teaches at the Kansas City Art is- Institute and was given a big opportunity recently that you could think is a little crazy. He says, I was awarded a teaching sabbatical for the fall semester. So the project that I proposed was to float the entire Missouri River in a canoe, produce a film along the way, as well as a series of paintings. That's cool. If that's your passion, like, you're getting paid to do that? Right. What the heck? Yeah. Uh, He started his journey early June at the river's headwaters in Montana. He's met a lot of friendly people along the way who offer him food or a place to stay for the night. Uh, He says, there's also a network of people who look out for travelers like me. They call themselves river angels. Mm -hmm. We've heard about that uh, river angels, um, like trail angels. Yeah. Um, That when when Derek and them were hiking through the uh, Adirondacks. Mm Mm-hmm. They would come down and there's people in these parking lots and they've, yeah, spread out with food for the, for the hikers coming through and have a yeah. snack, have a drink, have a, you know, that's pretty cool to, that, that the, the communities paddling, hiking and all that, the, the little communities do stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in, in fact, uh, the Mississippi has a really evolved network too of river angels and uh there's facebook groups just for the river angels themselves along the mississippi it's 
um, for someone that's going to do a long paddle like that, it's it's a pretty great thing. I think is it Dale Saunders is paddling the Mississippi right now. He's trying to be Greybeard. Greybeard, yeah. Greybeard, yeah, yeah. I saw that it's like he was eighty nine or something it, like that. Yeah, yeah. He was looking to retake a record or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Because he was the oldest one to paddle it from mm-hmm. source to sea. Mm-hmm. And then somebody that was a bit older decided, well, <laughs> I'm not having that. <laughs> and then he says, well, game on. And now he's doing it again. So clearly 89 is the new 50. Apparently. Or the new 20 <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, do, 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 do His paintings show what he sees as he's paddling down the river. And he can't keep them all in his canoe, of course. So every once in a while, he stops near a town and sends them in the mail to his wife. It's all. This is kind of cool. Never thought about this. Mm-hmm. It's all watercolor, and oftentimes, you know, you just get some water from the river itself, and that becomes part of the painting. That's a that pretty is, neat thought, right? Yeah. Yeah, that is really cool, actually. My kind of concept there is, yeah. like, imagine Bob Ross on a Missouri River. <laughs> that's uh yeah like i say if you can go there and just i wonder if he like stops at places and paints or just because i guess you really can't paint as you're drifting unless you're that fast you, you could it'd be <laughs> you know like abstract yeah what, what are those green stripes and the blue stripes and the other blue and white stripes oh that's uh, it was a fast current that day <laughs> that's right <laughs> it's blurry brainstorm yeah there's an idea that'll give me a quick one really fast <laughs> uh, it's being just a gift that I was able to do this uh, at this time in my life, step away from work for a little while. My wife has been very supportive, allowing me to do this, especially with a two-and-a-half-year-old son at home. Wow. Oh, dude, you owe her. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. When she says, can you take the garbage out? Yes, am <laughs> After all the new things he's learned and experienced while paddling the river, he hopes to not only inspire others with his adventure, but also show everyone how the river should be appreciated. It's a river that I think you need to respect. I think there's a healthy thing to being a little bit fearful of water and to treat it with respect. Wear a life jacket, know what you're doing. Don't be scared of it, but, you know, be responsible at the same time and enjoy it. He says when he gets home... He'll make a show out of the photos and videos he's taken during his journey. That's cool. But what, what an opportunity for something to be able to do something like that. That uh, and you know, part of your work. Yeah. You know. Yeah. A teaching sabbatical. <laughs> you know, uh, it sounds a lot like there was a documentary, a hiker's documentary called "Mile, Mile and a Half." Okay. And it was about a group of. Uh, friends and filmmakers and artists that hiked the John Muir Trail. And that was actually, it was it was really well done. It was really cool. And that was the sort of start of the inspiration for the Yukon journey that we did. Um, because as, as I was watching it, I, I started noticing that they were using a lot of the same camera gear and video gear that I had. Right. I'm like, well, wait a minute, they can do this. I could do that up on the Yukon. Right. You know, and then the the charity piece and, you know, all that got added in. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, this sounds a lot like it. And so if anyone hasn't seen it, Mile, Mile and a Half is great. And I really would look forward to seeing what uh, what Steve does here when he finishes up his journey. That's that's pretty cool. 
a lot of people were warning him not to go because there's a lot of dangerous sections apparently the missouri is 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 tough you know it's not just that you're out in the elements that long it's that the elements that you're going through you know mm-hmm. um it, it can be uh you know gary and linda decock did that right and and that was probably i think they said that was their hardest trip really uh, yeah yeah um just because of the environment the storms um you know the insects the snakes the etc and uh yeah it was it was uh it was a tough one for him wow yeah yeah well all the best to him hopefully it all works out and yeah i definitely want to see what he uh produces with that yeah that'd be great do you remember we talked a while back about that guy you know they're uh pulling gun on people and shooting at them yes. because they were going through the river and that yep yep not as bad but still bad Mm-hmm. Mounties say a pair of kayakers are lucky to have escaped serious injury after a man pushed a large log over a cliff and onto their boats in the waters off Nanaimo, B.C. Mm. This goes under the, what were you thinking? Yeah. Kayakers, a uh, 43-year-old man, a 39-year-old woman, told police they were paddling past an island when someone began yelling at them from the cliff above. Police said the kayakers had a short exchange with the individual, and they don't say what exactly, and continued paddling until a few minutes later when they saw a person push a large log off the cliff, striking the woman on the back and knocking her into the water. The log also struck the man, but he managed to stay in his kayak. Unbelievable. Why, like, what are you thinking? Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, they arrested a 37-year-old man. He's got a court date November... As this was a bizarre incident, and given the size and weight of the log and distance it fell, the log could have caused significant injury to both persons. Yeah. It was 20 feet long, 8 inches in diameter. What a head case. That's huge. He could have, yeah. like, killed him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. What a head case. See, it just doesn't happen south of the border, John. <laughs> <laughs> We, yeah. we don't shoot them. We throw logs. Yeah. <laughs> we give them a chance. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it just it's just makes you wonder what, what's going on with people. You know, and you expect when you hear that story, oh, it was a 17-year-old, not a 37-year-old, no. right? Yeah. You should ostensibly know better. I mean, 17-year-old should know better, but, you know. Um, you know, there, there's Barron Canyon where we go through Algonquin Park. It's like 100-foot cliffs. Mm-hmm. And people like to throw stones over. But you can see down below. And you don't, I've never been down paddling and had any rocks come flying by or even mm-hmm. hear anything. And I've never seen anybody throw rocks over while there's paddlers down there. Yeah. Nor do I know anybody that has experienced either of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking earlier about this, but, uh, when we did our canoe polling course, and this is as yep. close as we've ever come. When we did the canoe polling course with Stephen Coots, we went through a golf course <laughs> and all of a sudden <laughs> splash, splash. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently we were surrounded by really bad golfers who couldn't yeah. clear the river. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, Jan and I had that experience here too, um, over in, uh, Wisconsin Rapids, it's just close to here. There's a, a big lake over there. 
and uh, we saw a stream coming into it, so we thought, hey, let's see where this goes. And this is when we were really new and really green to kayaking, and we paddled up this stream, and and uh, and we really shouldn't even been there. It was really fast moving and lots of strainers, and and with our skill level, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, we came to an opening, and we're like, hey, look, a golf course. So we paddle up a little bit. We're looking for a spot that was wide enough for it because I had a, a 16-foot uh, river kayak. And so it was like, okay, well, let me see where I can get up and actually turn this thing around. And um, as we turn around and start floating back down, uh, yeah, they were target practice with us. Um, and I looked back up, and I couldn't see anybody, actually. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we had a number of balls being uh, shot at us. <laughs> The fun times. Yeah. I had, uh, the only other thing I've had is uh, I had some, and, and I say kids because, again, you would think an adult would have more sense, um, but throwing some some really large uh, green walnuts at me um, when I was on the, um, on the Wisconsin River. And, you know, and, and you can't see where they're at, and there's bridges, and there's forests, and um, but yeah, that I mean, and that can be dangerous, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are heavy. And I mean, think, well, I mean, you know, c- compare it to, uh, you know, basically like a, a baseball. Getting one right? over right in the head. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was, you know, I think that's the worst of it that I've had though. Um, I don't think anyone's really tried anything worse than that. No, yeah. no, not same with here. We've never had anything worse than golf balls coming at us and even then they weren't trying to hit us yeah they were trying um, to play golf. actually you know i i should i should take that back because you know my friend tommy may have dropped a couple of uh pint cans of beer out <gasps> right off the off a bridge over the erie canal yeah but that's dropping not throwing that's a good point that's a good yeah. point but Unless, they, of course he did throw yeah <laughs> He said he was trying to get them next to me, and when they hit me, I was a little offended. I dropped them really, really fast. <laughs> I didn't realize you were directly under me. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we go from there, from BC, a little bit down the coast to California. California's okay. Pacific Grove. Hmm. A man and his dog out enjoying a a stand-up paddleboard ride for the day. And a shark decides to bite into their stand-up paddleboard. (laughs) Just off of Lover's Point Beach, California's Pacific Grove. This is the second shark incident at this location in less than two months. Hmm. That's a bad sign. You think? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's just me, but... Come on! (laughs) Uh, the man and dog were uninjured, and they were able to crawl back onto the to the board and paddle to shore. Uh, the incident occurred about 150 yards from the pier when the shark came underneath the board, turned, and then bit into it. Mm. Uh, <laughs> a public information officer for the police department said the shark took four chomps out of the board. Mm. California Department of Fish and Wildlife will test the board to determine the shark species. Shark attacks aren't common in California, but do occur occasionally. 62-year-old man barely survived a great white shark attack just 150 yards off Lover's Point in June. Both of these happened 150 
yards off the lover's point. Don't go no. 150 yards. <laughs> Fish and Wildlife <laughs> estimate the shark was 14 to 15 feet long. Hmm. Lover's Point Park is a popular gathering spot that sits on Monterey Bay in Pacific Grove. Yeah. And Monterey Bay is, you know, world famous, you know, for the kelp forests. And they got sharks going through there pretty regularly. Yeah. And that's what else it's famous for. (laughs) Shark attacks. Yeah. (laughs) Now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You know, that seems irresponsible to be taking the dog out. I mean, if you, you know. (laughs) <laughs> come on have the dog i'm swimming as yours sparky that's right yeah that's <laughs> good right. luck pal i see i got a new puppy here recently so i'm i'm you know super protective apparently right now <laughs> i mean i'm in maternal mode with the puppy what do you do at a point like that you like you can't fight a shark and save your dog at the same time <laughs> yeah i don't Unless know you grab the dog and beat the shark with it oh jesus like what do you do? Yeah, and yeah. then you're you're going to get attacked because now you're sitting there in the middle of the water trying to tread water, looking for the shark, mm-hmm. thinking what you're going to do. Do I help the dog? Do I not help the dog? Sharks got you. Yeah, right. I'd get the dog on the board if I could, and then you know. But yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe the shark will go back after the board. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I I mean. I'm I'm not a big you know lover of sharks so no. this is uh yeah no yeah. I, I I was kayaking down there and uh not far from there and uh went up into a slough and there was uh as I was paddling this this blood um what, I, what do you call it I mean uh, this blood just kind of bubbles up and I'm like oh shit and uh so I I you know, of course, being an intelligent man, I paddled right over to it with my camera to see if anything was going to come up. As one um, does. <laughs> as, as one does. Um, I, you know, never saw anything, but it was it was just really bizarre, right? Because you're all of a sudden this blood straight up and you're like, wow, I wonder what just happened beneath there. Because mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was a good amount. So do you remember the husband we were talking about a little while ago? <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> A shark, it out. a shark with a mechanical hook, hook for a hand. fin. A hook fin. He had a hook fin. <laughs> kind of like a smart fin, but we can talk about yeah, that. we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, you start to think about stuff like that. Like, what would what would you do? I mean, there's that one, the guy was standing up paddle boarding, and that killer whale decided to come up and start nibbling the the back of his board. Oh really? I didn't see that one. Yeah, that was that came out a few years back. He's out there in the yeah, big killer whale comes up just investigating, gives the end of the paddleboard a bit of a nibble, and dude just sort of I'm not sure if he hit him on the nose with the paddleboard. He just gave him a gentle little bonk, sort mm-hmm. of. But the yeah, he veered to the side and boogied on. I think wow. was, there's a place in New Zealand that's popular for for killer whales to come up and around, mm. and people see them all the time there. Yeah, but I think it was one though he knew, just being uh, curious. I think is all it was. But yeah, you never know. Yeah, see, when you're talking like if you're paddling and all of a sudden you see great white sharks coming around. Oh no, I'm I sorry, mean, but I've just filled my shorts. Thank you very much. Yeah. Have a nice day wearing the brown pants today. Yep. You know, yep. Like, it's not happening. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, you'll see the 
every now and then you'll see a, a kayak fisherman out on the ocean. You'll see video or drone footage, right, of a of a shark tailing them or coming up and hitting the boat a couple of times. Yeah. Um, well, you know, and even Neil Moore had talked about that, right, where a bull shark came up and I think hit him like four times. Yeah. Um, just, you know, boom, 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 or really fast. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, yeah, that would, <laughs> I, I would be probably set, uh, some speed records trying to get back to shore at that point. I'd probably be able to run right across that water. I'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> so somebody will get my canoe out there. <laughs> just sort of stood up and ran. Oh but, man. You know, anyway, I, yeah. while I was sick, I watched Jaws again, by the way. Oh, did you? Yeah, I hadn't watched it for a very long time. That was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't hold up as well as I remember it when I was, uh, you know, what, 11, 12-year-old kid? And never had a shower for the next six months. <laughs> I ain't going to that water. Could be a shark in there. Yeah. Well, I loved it as a kid. I remember I was fascinated with them as a kid. And, you know, whenever I've been out and paddling and, and or not paddling, but diving and seeing them, it's really cool. But I do not want to see them uh, when I'm kayaking. Yeah. 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 I. You know what? If I'm in a big boat or something and see them, that's one thing. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to be in a little tiny boat and having them mm. bopping the side of the boat sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No fun. Yep. 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 I like you, buddy, but I like you about 20 feet over that way, please. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have one of the original prop books that they used in that movie. Really? Yeah. You know where uh, the the sheriff or uh, chief, what was, I can't, Roy Scheider's character, I can't remember his name, is he's looking, he's doing the research and, and looking through the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got one of those. Really? Yeah. If anyone out there wants to buy it, you know, I'm I'm looking to buy a new paddle, so just contact me at your leisure. That new seven thousand dollar paddle? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to help you out, buddy. <laughs> uh we've talked about the new canoe museum here. The Canadian Canoe Museum is being built. Okay. Uh the Governor General of Canada, Mary Simon, has granted vice regal patronage to the Canadian Canoe Museum in Peterborough. <laughs> Uh, the museum currently on Monaghan Road houses the world's largest collection of canoes, kayaks, and paddled watercraft. Construction continues on the new larger museum, which will enable it to showcase its entire 600-plus watercraft collection. Right wow. now, I believe it only actually has enough space to the, the current museum for 20% of its collection. Wow. So there's a lot there that... Uh, um, no, you don't see, right? Right. Uh, like this, all the ones that have shark holes. Shark holes, holes in yeah. Them. Yeah, and gator <laughs> holes. Uh, the uh, 600 plus watercraft collection has been declared a cultural asset by the Senate. Granting continues a tradition by Canadian Governors General to provide support through patronage to recognize associations and organizations for outstanding contributions to society by supporting and promoting Canadian values, diversity, inclusion, culture, and knowledge. Patronage is granted to an organization or a program only for the duration of the current Governor General's term in office. Hmm. Uh, She was sworn in July 2021 as Canada's first Indigenous Governor General and has made reconciliation a key focus. Initiatives in the new museum aim to do the same, says Executive Director Carolyn Hislop. Carolyn, by the way, 
was our very first guest on Paddling Adventures Radio. Wow. We had her, we, we went up and we interviewed her at the uh, Canoe Museum. Mm-hmm. And then when we were done interviewing her, we interviewed Kevin Callen, who was actually our second guest <laughs> on our very first uh, episode of Paddling Adventures Radio. Wow. So, yeah. So now uh, Carolyn's the executive director of the Canadian Canoe Museum. Very cool. Yeah. Museum located on traditional territory of the Williams Treaty's First Nations has invited Indigenous peoples to share their stories in their own voices. The museum is reconnecting the watercraft to their Indigenous communities of origin and has developed a collaborative relations process to work together to care for the canoes, share the cultural histories and stories held within the collection. Hmm. Uh, we believe that as sites of cultural and historical preservation, museums play a key role in shaping our understanding of our past and collective future, says Hislop. Indigenous peoples around the world designed, built, and used the first canoes and kayaks. These vessels retain their enduring connection to Indigenous cultures across Canada and are powerful living embodiments of knowledge, languages, and beliefs. Uh, and we've discussed it before that the new museum is supposed to open in, in uh, 2023 summer. So like a year from now. Yeah. 20,000 square feet. We'll have new exhibits, lakefront events, education center, artisans, and canoe building studios. Uh, library research room that allow for a recording of oral stories, which is really cool. Yeah. Lakefront Canoe House and Dock for on-water and outdoor education programming and more. And so, yeah, the one that's currently there, like I say, can, can only allow for 20% of the collection to be showcased. Hmm. So according to the Governor General's website, patronage is granted at the discretion of the Governor General to organizations that meet the following criteria. They have objectives aligned with the role and responsibilities of the Governor General. They are national in scope. They are governed and managed responsibly and sustainably, and they have a solid record of achievement with programs implemented implemented on an annual basis. And I mean, that's the Canadian Museum to a T. Yeah. The Governor General of Canada is um, the Queen's representative mm, okay. um, for people that don't know Canadian politics that much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she, she acts on behalf of the Queen. Um, in Canada, so she gets to do really cool stuff like that. Yeah, that's cool. Very cool. So, I, I yeah, a year left till we can. You got to come up and see that when it opens. Absolutely, will. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you had mentioned earlier, and we said we talked about it. The smart fin. Mm. This is something I think has a lot of potential in the future. So. They're, they they start out saying surfers love spending time on the water. Ocean temperatures are changing. These are two inescapable truths that scientists connected into a citizen's science project. They've designed a surfboard fin with sensors in it called smart fins to collect important information about the temperature of the water while a surfer hits waves. It also includes location and speed information and an IMU which records accelerometer and gyroscope data and the map, the size. So it it maps the size and changes and shapes of the waves. Hmm. These records can help scientists understand climate change and the effects on the ocean. The surfers are able to contribute to the science of protecting the coastal waters that are, that are their refuge. 
So yeah, basically you stick this on your surfboard, mm-hmm. and when you go um, surfing, it collects all the information and it uploads it, and you're having fun. All you've done was put this fin on your surfboard or your stand-up paddle board or whatever, and it's just collecting the data, and you get, it, it shows what's happening in the water at the time. Mm-hmm. So if a shark comes up, takes the fin off the board. Uh-huh. <laughs> It could happen. Watch, watch that speed increase. <laughs> yeah. See? That's what I'm saying. Hmm. Hmm. Potential, buddy. Potential. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and find out where your body parts are going. <laughs> yeah. They got a giant graveyard down there for pieces and parts. According to a report, engineering students are working with the ocean scientists who first developed the smart fin to expand its abilities. They hope to someday also record information about the pH and quality of the water. This will help scientists better understand ocean acidification and pollution. That's a big thing right there. Like, I mean, you know yeah. that if you're out there, you're out there surfing or you're paddleboarding somewhere and it's collecting all this information. Again, over time, scientists can say, well, this used to have this pH balance five years ago and now right. it's here. You know, right. is it getting worse? Is it getting better? That sort of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and say, same with the waves, like where you, where all these people are paddling or, or surfing all the time. Yeah. Is it getting better? Or should we be worried? Do we need to be doing things for the uh, eco- uh, the environment there or what? Mm-hmm. Uh, coastal data is nearly impossible to collect in the same way as in the open ocean. Satellites and buoys read temperature and wave height for most areas, but don't stand up to the breaking waves as they crash into our shoreline which is where the surfers come in, right? Yeah. Ready to add one of the devices to your surfboard or stand-up paddleboard? People can sign up to participate on the SmartFin website. The fin turns on when the board hits the water and uploads the data wirelessly as soon as it's back on dry land. You can also look back at your session via the app. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Surf's, uh, sorry, surf smart fin. Dot com. Uh, they have a whole bunch of information there on, on what this is and what what it does and how you can um, opt in and be a, be a part of it. I don't yeah. know if there's there's costs or anything to it or they just send you a. I gotta think you gotta buy the the blade or something or to help out, but uh, they give you all the information that you can hook it up and start recording for them. Yeah, that's pretty neat. I- you know, citizen science, that, that sounds actually really cool, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it, because we could do citizen science, like beer-related on yeah. canoe trips somehow. Mm. The ability to, well, how could we do this? We could get, if we could get some government funding for this. Yeah. Think about that. Think about that. Something about beer and portaging and reportaging, excuse me. Well, no, depending depending, <laughs> depending no. on where you are. Right. We could do this in both of our countries. Right. Right. There's got, I mean, I'm sure we could get state funding if we can figure out a way to put beer and cheese together in it. Ooh, cheese beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's in one of those squeezy cans. <laughs> Spray can cheese beer. <laughs> oh. But yeah, uh, citizen uh, citizen science, as you call it, there is is pretty cool when you can get everybody into this and help out, and especially when yeah. it comes to the environment and stuff, right? You, yeah. you, it's easy to 
it's easy to say, hey, yeah, these scientists are going out and doing stuff. But if you got free help, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term, to well, help yeah. collect the data for you. Right. Yeah. That's your that's your workforce is just, you know, increased big time. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, and it's, it's like the uh, similar, not the same thing, obviously, but, you know, just if you have a, a desktop computer at home where you can allocate CPU hours to medical research and environmental research. Right. And... You know, which is which is awesome, right? So my computer is being used for cancer research and and uh, you know global um, global warming projects. And it, I don't know, it just kind of makes you feel good. You go back in later and you can see how many hours that uh, you know your computer's you know um, computing hours that it's been uh, then been beneficial to them right. and to the to the projects. And yeah, it's it's kind of cool. So I mean, stuff like this where the more data points you get. That's really interesting. It is. So we'll have to keep an eye on that to see what happens. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, go to surfsmartfin.com, and you can find out more information on uh, how to participate. Cool. Uh, Last thing I got here, I saw this one, and the only reason I'm really saying anything about this one is this is sort of – when I saw this, I'm immediately thinking about the Boundary Waters Uh, because, you know, it says uh, chemical dump. Was the, was the first thing I saw. Huron River Canoe Rental Businesses are feeling the impacts from a recent chemical release. State regulators issued several violation notices to Tri-Bar Technologies, the company responsible for the release of hexavalent chromium into the Wixom sewage system. Wastewater treatment plant in Wixom drains into the Huron River system. Hexavalent mm-hmm. chromium is a known carcinogen. So they're still investigating on what 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 caused the spill and all that sort of stuff. And, and this is over in, yeah, in Michigan. Michigan. Yep. Yeah, this yep. is just north of uh, a village, uh, Milford, north of Ann Arbor. Uh, so, you know, business owners, you know, while they're looking at the state officials doing all their tests and stuff, they're concerned about restoring public trust. Mm-hmm. Village canoe rental in Milford is just downstream from the plant. Yeah. You know, so that's where all the stuff is going. Uh, Heather and Scott Armstrong, they've owned the canoe rental business for seven years, and they shut down after state officials issued a do-not-contact advisory for parts of the Huron River. So people aren't going into the river, they're not paddling, but you got to think of what it's doing to the environment along the side as well. If they're telling people not to go in. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. Norton Creek is just upriver from us, and that is where the potential chemicals would enter into the system. It is about a half-hour paddle or so from us, so we kind of been the first business along the river affected from it, uh, Heather Armstrong was, was saying. And she says that they'll be ready to welcome people back when they can. There's another place, Hevner Canoe Rental. They've been able to stay open because it's upstream of the site, uh, of the incident, and the owner, Bruce Evner, says they've been on the Huron River renting canoes and kayaks for 69 years. Mm. But he's even said business is way down because people are scared, saying business went down 70% the week after the do not contact advisory was issued. Wow. That's huge, especially for small yeah. owners and that. 
That's yep. huge. Yeah. And of course, you know, unless I guess I'm not sure what the laws are down in Michigan and that, but uh, I don't know if they can then go and once all the findings happen, can they sue the yeah. the, the, the Tribar Technologies for lost income? You've got to believe they will. Yeah. Right? And, and as they should, right? I mean, when you're talking about a, a struggling business and, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they think getting people to feel safe coming back to the water is going to be the real hurt. Oh, and that's exactly it. When they find out, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's all done, it's been cleaned up, people are still going to be, uh, okay, yeah. if you say so. Yeah. If yeah. It, yeah. And, and that this is not the first time for that company either, by the way, right? Right. Yeah. So if it does come out that the spill was contained and it's not as bad as we thought it was, then I hope that the stigma will be lifted and people will come back out in uh, our boats or theirs and just enjoy the river as it is it is a beautiful place. Yeah, if you got a if you got a history of doing that sort of thing, um that's an issue. Yeah. You know. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and they had uh, I can't remember how long ago it was. I I remember seeing something um that this company had done something it was you know years ago but yeah it's it's still not i mean recent years you know it's like it's not like it was you know 70 years ago kind of thing it was like no. within the last last 10 or something like that yeah it's uh you know i mean like you say even if you know is it, so much was was leaked out you know mm-hmm. that's hitting the shoreline but you're never really going to be able to tell how far down it went Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be the monitoring, monitoring constantly to see how long it takes to leach into the the groundwater. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And being a carcinogen, that's the last thing you want. Exactly. Exactly. I feel bad for the uh, the Kuhn companies there. You know, like I say, even the the one company that's upstream and isn't affected by it, still affected by it. Yeah. Seventy yep. percent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the other ones are one hundred percent, you know, affected because mm-hmm. they had to shut down. But uh, yeah, wow. Yep. What are you going to do? Yeah. Um. That's all I've got. Now we were talking earlier. Somebody sent you a little message about something you might want to use for <laughs> your backpacking and canoe trips. <laughs> this goes way back to our glory days of episode eighty-one. Yeah. Which is, you know, before I knew you guys. Yeah. And, uh, so I didn't know about that. But, uh, yeah, so my friend Claire, um, who was, we were going to take this trip in September. Um, but uh, she sent me this thing about the crotch pot, if uh, people remember what that is. Uh, do you want to ex- uh, explain to them <laughs> what a crotch pot is or, or for new listeners who didn't hear that? So if you haven't listened to episode 81, <laughs> be prepared. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a company that put out this thing called the crotch pot. Gossamer gear. Gossamer gear. Yeah. And basically it's a see-through vinyl bag that you would put your dehydrated meal into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you seal it. And it goes mm-hmm. down the front of your pants because that's where so much heat <laughs> is generated as you are hiking <sighs> through the day. Hence the term the crotch pot. Hmm. And at the end of the day, there's a couple of small carabiners that allow you to hook it onto your belt loops. And as you go for the day, it's mushing around inside that bag. (laughs) At the end of the day, you pull out this bag and your dehydrated meal 
is not only rehydrated, but the heat from your body has heated it. Hmm. You know what? In theory, that's an <laughs> awesome idea. In practice, that is nasty. <laughs> that's really nasty. That's really what are you eating nasty. for dinner? Oh, uh, uh, fettuccine El Cracho. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know what materials they're making this out of, right? But I mean, you know, think about, you know, go to a hockey game toward the end of the season, you know, like go to a, a high school or a, a junior college game or something like that, right? Where they don't have, where they're not taking care of the gear and stuff. And you know yeah. what those breezers smell like, right? You can be sitting 15, 20 rows up and smell that. Yeah. Can you imagine what the crotch pot smells like? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many times over the years thought we should have bought one. Because you go to their site now and mm-hmm. they say not in stock. And even yeah. if you hit the remind me or let me know when they're in stock, they're never in stock. Yeah. Should have bought when we had the chance. Just to, <laughs> But there's videos. If you, if you just Google crotch pot. There's videos where people have done it. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people bought it when you read the reviews. And what they do is they do it exactly like it's supposed to do, except they hang it off their backpack. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's all, you know, sitting out in the sun. It's all had the opportunity to rehydrate and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm sure it works. I'm sure there was a... You know, years of scientific research yeah, yes. <laughs> into so, what happens. Citizen science. <laughs> citizen science. Sticking a vinyl bag with dehydrated food down the front of my pants as I yeah. hike the Appalachian Trail. And see, we could do that with beer and cheese. We're still not, we're still in line for some federal funding. I'm thinking. I'm you know? thinking. Oh, I wonder if there's like a, uh, some sort of dis- Distillery, where you, by the end of the day, your sweat mixed with hops distills <laughs> into a, a bottle of warm beer that oh. you can drink at the end of the day. Oh, oh, it's got to be mean, something. Are you there. thinking like that in terms of chemical weapons? Or are you ah, thinking- deterring other people from hanging out with you? <laughs> <laughs> Here, this is armpit IPA. <laughs> yeah, I had not seen this before, and Claire sent that to me, and it was like, wow. And so then we started talking about the possibilities, you know? And that's what happens. You go down that rabbit hole. Right? So we decided that, you know, if you're out paddling, that really won't work, right? Because you're not generating enough heat there. Mm-hmm. But then we thought, well, what did you cut it in half and hang one under, like each arm, under each armpit, into the armpit there? Yeah. You know? I mean, it's going to change your paddling, you know, form a little bit, but, you know, you could, I mean, they'd be small, so you could do appetizers, you know, you could do some dim sum or, pit you know, pots. steamed rolls. Yeah. You got your little pit pots for your appetizers while your crotch pot is cooking the main course. Ooh. Right? Yeah. And you wash well, you it all know, down with armpit IPA. And, and if, and if it is something like, you know, just pasta, I mean, let's be honest, you could sit on that. Yeah. You know? The possibilities are endless, I'm telling you. Right? See, so it's people like us that invented that thing. Hmm. We have we have some brothers and sisters over at Gossamer Gear, clearly. 
I'm I'm thinking there's got to be some sort of sweat distillery thing. <laughs> Like sweat yeah, whiskey yes, it's called, or something. It's called Old Milwaukee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's Pap's Blue Ribbon or something up here. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get letters from their attorneys now. Well, send us some beer and let us chase the difference. <laughs> There's got to be some. We can work this out. We'll draw pictures and diagrams and anyway that knows distilling. Well, Derek, I think he, he was getting into distilling at one point or was brewing he? or something. Yeah. So he might. We'll have to drag him into this if he makes it out alive. Yeah, uh, see, he's yeah. he's going to be sad he left because, right? He could be working on this already. Right. Mm-hmm. We could be drinking by next week. I'm going oh, to start you looking know what, though, because mm. you can only do it like uh, while you're paddling or something. Because otherwise, oh, exercise that's true. He could have been. He could have been doing an R and D trip right now. Oh, he could have been collecting sweat all last week and all this week. He could be <laughs> he bring could be back doing- like a bucket of it. Citizen science. Citizen science. <laughs> this week on Citizen Science Journal, more stuff you want nothing to do with. <laughs> mm. Yummy. Mm. Can I get more cheese in a can, please? <laughs> uh, that's all I got this week, buddy. Mm. I... I'm, you know, I don't know what to say. I'm just, I'm looking at the, the crotch pot on my computer monitor here and the mind is just racing. It's all a flutter with ideas. (laughs) Honey, do we have a copper pot? (laughs) We need some tubing. Call your dad. (laughs) So, so many possibilities here. It's endless. I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Think about it. Think about it. I wonder if we could strap one to my puppy. Dog sweat. Yeah. Well, you know, and that and just the constant motion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Right. I mean, there's there's possibilities here. How about a, like a dog martini mixer? <laughs> Ooh. Shaken. Never stirred. <laughs> right? Throw on the dog. He goes running. It gets all shook up. Right, a dog martini. I, you know, mm-hmm. that's got possibilities. Of course, right the end now, of the portage the, after the, the dog the run the portage, is, <laughs> mixer's about the size of the puppy. But you know, another couple of months, I can put this to use. Yeah, I I think there's a video in this. You know how the the the, the Saint Bernard has that thing under his neck? Yes, the yes. barrel. Yeah, yeah, just one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at the end of the portage, you just. Crank it into your little uh, cup there that's hanging off your pack. Have yourself yeah. a little shaken martini. Well, you know, he's got a little harness that we take him out on, so we could connect it to that. Let him run around the neighborhood for a bit. Dude, we're going to be rich. Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Honey, pack bags. We're getting a bigger house. <laughs> the idea is just flowing, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, John, it was great to have you on this week. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been good to talk to you. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been. Feels well, good to be, uh, entering the land of the living again here. And sitting upright for a while. Right? How's your back, <laughs> by the way? Oh, man. I can't even, you know, I don't want to think about how badly the muscles have atrophied over the last month. Yeah. You, you know? You go mow the lawn more. Oh, Jesus. I can't, I can't. Actually, I can't. We had, we had, uh, 
like some weeds and stuff out there that were over a foot high because neither one of us were able to get out and do it. You got a wilding backyard. Yeah. 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 Actually, Kinda we did like that. It. <laughs> it started out as a lazy thing, but uh, and a no time <laughs> thing. We took mm-hmm. down a couple of apple trees and some of the bigger branches we had piled to the side by our fence. Yeah. And the, the plan was, you know, get a couple of minutes, going to chop them all up. And then we got into the, doing the rest of the garden and, and stuff. But in the meantime, all the, the grasses and some wildflowers and stuff started coming up. Next, mm-hmm. we know there's rabbits in there and squirrels. We got chipmunks. And yeah. like, wow, I'm not cutting those up now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We we actually have a, on, around one uh, tr- a tree in our backyard. We've got sort of a, I don't know what you'd call it, but a, kind of like a brush pile around sort of braided around the base of the tree yeah so when the when the hawks and the falcons come in it gives the smaller birds a little bit of an opportunity to to hide from them but you know um yeah i in fact we had uh we had a eight point buck come in the other day and lay down in the yard wow um yeah yeah big you know felt antlers and so i, I think, feel uh, so inadequate now that all we have is like squirrels <laughs> Possums of the we had a skunk. <laughs> Look at you, Mister Eight Point Buck, and baby deer, and <laughs> possums, and platypuses, and penguins, and whatever else, polar bears. Look at you. <laughs> yeah, sorry, we oh. had cardinals, we had blue jays. <laughs> Look at you go. Well, you know, you have socialized medicine, so you yeah. still win. <laughs> we we ain't keeping up with the Joneses up here. <laughs> We're just I got a chipmunk living under my garage. I don't know how he buried burrowed a hole under the concrete floor, but he's there. Well, well, think about it this way: Would you rather live in the Greater Toronto area and have chipmunk squirrels and you know things like that, or live in Marshburg, Wisconsin, and have eight point? Bucks laying in your yard. I bet you my squirrels could gang up and kick your bucks butt. <laughs> <laughs> I got four squirrels that I'm come thinking, when I whistle. I'm thinking if we made that a reader's poll, I'm guessing that you're getting about 100% of the vote there still. Yeah, but how come you haven't got a, like a blanket and try to throw it on the buck's back and go for a ride yet? <laughs> that would be my question. Actually, you know, the sad thing is I could probably catch him. He got, I, I think uh, he got hit by a car. Ooh. He's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, his rear right leg is, he's, uh, it's either out of joint or broken or something. And he's, uh, he's moving kind of slow here, which doesn't portend well for him coming up into hunting season. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to, you know, domesticate him and keep him in my yard. See. Let him play with the puppy. You, you, could, you could have a silent in your front. Beware of deer. <laughs> you could be your, your dog and, your, and a deer. That's right. A tandem, the, tandem the, guards. The the puppy would probably scare the crap out of him, you know, because yeah. he, he's so bitey. He's bitey. <laughs> it's getting bitey in here. It is bitey. Yep. <laughs> ELF, bitey little something or other. <laughs> something or other. <laughs> awesome. Well, still, it's good to have you on this week, uh, John. And uh, yeah. We'll get you on again when Derek's back, and we'll make fun of him. <laughs> like, Sounds we, good. Like we always do. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you get better, and uh, we'll be uh, chatting at you soon. Thanks, man. Take care. 
You do. If you want to find out more about us, you can find us at PaddlingAdventuresRadio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. You can go to the episode page at PaddlingAdventuresRadio.com and download or stream all our episodes there. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends, family, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.